for this awesome day, a day to celebrate you first and foremost, to celebrate Shabbat and to celebrate Carol becoming a bat mitzvah. God, I thank you for the word you have placed on my heart. I pray that it would go forth under the unction of your ruach and that uh, it would penetrate into each of our hearts and we would receive it and be encouraged by it. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. I also want to thank everyone who prayed for me yesterday, our prayer partners. I woke up and uh, felt something settling in, but thank God it didn't, so it is good. So thank you for praying for me. But our message today is entitled, God has a plan for your life. And I'm speaking from Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. These verses are familiar to many of us. Uh, as I said, Wayne mentioned it in his little encouragement to uh, Carol. Rabbi Michael prayed it over her. Uh, and they're verses that are often uh, cited or, or uh, spoken out because they do carry an awesome promise uh, to us as people. And I felt led to share from this passage because today is a bat mitzvah, and a bat mitzvah is a special occasion marking the transition in the life of a young person who is looking towards their future. Uh, I really love working with the young people uh, as they prepare for this special day. Uh, I am the one who spends that one-on-one time with them the last six months or so as they prepare to chant the Parsha. Uh, We do a Bible study together so that they can prepare their Devar Torah. And throughout this last year of preparation, I try to remind each of these young people, that they have a destiny on their lives. And this is what uh, this verse speaks to us about, that God has a plan, he has a purpose for us. And I believe that God wants to encourage you, Carol, and each one of us here, that he does indeed have a plan for our lives. In other words, our lives are not haphazard. We're not just here occupying space, uh, you know, uh, taking up air. <laughs> There's a reason for our being, and God wants you to understand that that reason is because he made you and he created you. And as Carol said, he knows us best. Even when sometimes we're praying, she said, and he doesn't answer us the way we think, God really knows what's best for us because he's our creator and our maker. And uh, he wants to encourage you because he is your creator and because he is your maker, he has a plan for your life. So there are three truths that I want to share from these verses, and I'm going to start with the last verse and work my way up, which is a little unusual, but I think you'll see the reason why as I go through the message. So the first thing that God wants to encourage us is to seek him. Seek God. The Hebrew verb here is uvikashtim, or bikesh is the root of it. And this is not a a new concept for the children of Israel that God is speaking to through the prophet uh, Yirmiyahu. And it's uh, not new for Carol. And most of us here, because we have been encouraged often about uh, seeking God. In fact, uh, several hundred years earlier, in Devarim chapter 4, verse 25, God says almost the exact same things to the children of Israel as Moses is preparing to to leave this world, and he gives his farewell speech, which is the whole book of Devarim. And they're getting ready to enter the promised land. God says to them, 
However, from there, the place where he's leading, the promised land, you will seek Adonai, your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and being. So this is a a theme that God repeats throughout the scriptures, that we are those who need to seek him uh, and to pursue him. So what does it mean to seek God? Does it mean he wants us to hide ourselves in a room and pray all day? That could become a little rough for some of us especially for young people being confined. It's good to see Ray Lynn here today. Yes. So she's been confined to her house this week, and Fred and Natalie, too. All three of them had surgery, and uh, it's good to see all of them back here. But you think, oh, I, could, I would love to just be at home and stay in it. But after a week, she is glad that she two weeks, she's glad that she's out of the house, right? So when you, thought, you think about seeking God and like, oh, he wants me to go and, and be in a room and pray all day long, It could be like, wow, I don't know if I could do that. I encourage you that that's not what seeking God means. Although there may be a season where he does call you to do that. uh, Seeking God means that we have a desire to know him. In other words, to be in relationship with him. It means to look to him when you have questions and when you're in a situation that is difficult. You know, Carol, I encourage you this week that the most important part of this day is that last paragraph that you read in your Devar Torah. I know you've been very, very nervous about all of this, uh, but you did an awesome job, Carol, a great job. And now you can breathe easily and enjoy the celebrating with your family and friends. But I want to encourage you again and encourage every one of us here that if we do not keep Adonai as the priority in our lives, then we are missing it. And that's what God is telling the children of Israel here through the prophet, to seek me, he says. And God is not looking for us to shut ourselves into a room for hours upon hours. Listen to me. God wants you to live your life, right? He wants you to live your life. Carol probably has already some dreams about what her future may look like. God wants her to continue to dream about her future He wants her to continue school. Sorry, Carol. You know, (laughs) he wants you to to pursue whatever career, education you may want. He wants you to do that. He wants all of us to live our lives and to live them to the fullest. But in living our lives, he wants us to make him the priority. Yeshua tells us in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to us. The Passion Translation of the New Covenant, which I just discovered this past week, puts it this way. So above all else, constantly chase after. Wow. Selah. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So the context of this passage in Matthew is anxiety being felt by his Talmudim, and Yeshua is addressing them. They're fearful and concerned about their everyday life. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How are we going to provide for ourselves? And and Carol was encouraged by a verse in her Parsha that said, Do not fear, for I am with you. You see, seeking seeking God means we do not have to give in to fear or the anxiety about the circumstances that we find ourselves in because we seek him and we trust him. God is a person who can be trusted. 
And as we've said, he knows exactly what we need. And when we seek him and when we abide in his presence, we are told that in his presence there is fullness of joy. In his presence there is great peace, peace beyond understanding. And that's why he encourages us to seek him, not because, you know, it's not for his benefit. It's for our benefit. Seeking God helps us. Seeking God means that you're growing in your relationship with him. And Carol shared this at the end of her Devar tour, that the relationship is started by confessing and repenting of your sins and accepting Yeshua as your Messiah and means of atonement. Friends, some of you here today don't have that relationship with God. You haven't started it yet. But the good news is you can. It's as simple as Carol shared what she did. One day she made a decision to receive Yeshua as her means of atonement, repented and turned from her sins, and she is dedicating her life to following him. That's the beginning of a relationship with God. Seeking him means to be his friend and to let him be your friend. A friend is someone that you hang out with. Simply put, God wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to spend time with him. That's the only way relationship can grow. And he also tells us here that it should be done wholeheartedly. That's what the Vahafta tells us that we recite every week. And these are not merely words that we want to rotely say week after week, but they're words that we want to live out in our daily lives. And it says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, it's true we might go through the motions sometimes in worship and in our relationship with God. We have seasons where that happens. But as I told the youth group last weekend, uh, God's not put off by those. He sees that there's these ups and downs that we sometimes have, but it cannot be the norm. The norm for us should be that we are passionate about God. Think about it. In my mind, and I'm letting you in my mind right now, God is the most awesome person ever, and he is worth getting to know. You may be here right now, and you may say, you know, I'm only here because it's of Carol, and that's fine. Uh, but you're here for a greater reason than that. And you may think, oh, all this religious stuff, it's just beyond me. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And God wants to know you and you to know him. And he is the most awesome person you will ever, ever know. And that's what seeking him is all about. And to be passionate uh, about it. Romans 12, 11 encourages us with these words. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Radiate with the glory of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Now, we've all seen those people who have been passionate. Uh, This is football season. I'm not watching football, but my family texts me every time the Chiefs are playing. I'm from Kansas City, and the Chiefs are doing pretty good, I have to say. Just, you know, I'm a... Not a New York fan. Sorry, guys, Jets and and Giants. (laughs) My husband's like, oh, no. But you know how those passionate football fans can be, right? They will paint their whole face. Sometimes they paint their whole body, right? There's no doubt when someone is passionate about their, their team. Now, one of my brothers has supplied me with endless Chiefs sweatshirts and T-shirts in fact, when my sisters came out this summer, my brother David sent me another one uh, from last year when they won the AFC Western Conference. And uh, 
the sweatshirts come in. I layer them up. I wear like three of them in the wintertime <laughs> when it gets cold. Uh, but when someone is passionate, you know it. They are all in. Well, that's how seeking God should be. It should be that we are all in passionate uh, with our pursuit of him. Think about it when you spend time with your friends and family. We're not just clocking in and clocking out every day. Okay, let me spend 15 minutes with my child today. Or I want to spend time with my best friend so I can go closer to him or her. That's not how we approach relationships in the natural. And it's not how we should approach relationships with God. Now, my husband and I always encourage people to have devotions. That's what we call. In other words, spending time daily with God. But I am fearful that this Western mechanism that has been put in place often uh, distorts what a real relationship is. Real relationship is organic. It's something that should naturally flow your relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm telling you don't spend time every day reading and praying. (laughs) But I'm saying that it has to be more than just, oh, let me check this box off on the sheet or let me do this in case Rabbi Carol or Rabbi Michael ask me how my devotion's coming. No, seeking God is something that we are passionate about. We want to know him, and we want to grow in relationship with him. So what are some practical things we can do to seek him? I made a little acronym here. First, spend time with him. Again, that's the only way relationship can grow, by spending time. Spend time with God. Hang out with him. Well, how do I do that, Rabbi Carol? I'm, okay, you're at this for many years. Just, he's, he's very near us. We, we sung the song, you know, that surely the Lord is here in this place. And Rabbi Michael shared from the passage there in Bereshit where Yaakov had that dream. But God is here right now. And he's with you every day. His presence is all around. And so spending time with him just simply means say, God, here I am. I want to know you. Speak to me. And you know what? He will. Because he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. The second thing is to enjoy his word. One of the best ways to get to know uh, God is to read the Bible. Because in the Bible, he reveals who he is. He reveals his character, his nature, and he reveals his heart towards you and me. So when we read this passage in Jeremiah, we know that God's heart is to give us a hope and a future, not to harm us, right? He wants to speak to you and to encourage you and to reveal more of himself to you, and that happens by being in the Word. The third thing is to exalt him as Lord of everything. Friends, we need to worship him. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is worthy to be praised. And we should not be silent. I have challenged you. My husband has challenged you. Women, we're speaking on uh, uh, joy this year. That's been our theme all year long. And I've talked to you about worshiping. Some of you just need to get out of yourselves and just lift those hands up and exalt him and focus on who he is. He is so worthy Worthy, amen, of our praise and worship. So seeking him means that I'm exalting him, that I'm lifting him up because he's a worthy God. And the last thing is to keep him first in your life, to be the number one priority. 
in everything you do. It doesn't mean to stop living your life, but that God, you're God conscious, that you are conscious of God when you go to the grocery store. You're conscious of God when you go to school. You're conscious of God when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road. That's what the Bahafta tells us. In other words, every part of our, our day, we just have God on our mind. Or he, if he wants to speak to us at the moment, we can hear and we can listen. Friends, God has things that he wants to share with you. Do you hear me? He has things on his heart that he wants to speak to you. And at the same time, he wants to hear from you. And this leads me to my second point, that God wants to listen to you. At the end of verse 12, God says, I will listen. That's important. I will listen. This is the common Hebrew word that we all know. We sing it every week, the Shema, which means to hear. And I shared before that this word has the connotation of hearing with the intent of doing something. And God says, I will listen, and how important that is. Think about it. We've all been in that conversation with someone where we're trying to share our heart. Sometimes this happens between husband and wife. Of course, never with me and my husband, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're pouring out, you're pouring your heart out, and then five minutes later, they ask a question, and you're like, I just told you, right? But obviously, they were not listening. That happened to anyone else besides me, right? It does, and not just between husband and wife. It happens all the time. You, you're speaking, and people are not listening to what you're saying. That's not God. God says, I will listen. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what's bothering you, God says. I will listen. I'm not going to check out on you. I'm not going to be looking at my watch to see how long it is that you've been talking. He wants to know that he wants to hear what you're saying, and not just hear, more importantly, that he wants to answer the issues that you're talking to him about. He wants to move in that situation that is bothering you. He wants to bring change or relief to you, your family, your marriage, your finances, whatever your situation may be. Carol, this week I also talked to you about your relationship with God, and I remind you that he sees and knows everything in your heart. He sees things I don't see. He knows things that mom and dad don't know. And he wants you to share those things with him. Now, the carol that Wayne shared is not the carol that I know, which is not unusual. But as she comes into youth group, maybe I'll get to know more of that part of her, where she is more verbal. We're, we're trying to pull that out of her in the youth group. But God wants to hear those things that matter to you. God wants you to speak those things to him. And as I shared with you, and even this was a part of our lesson last week in the youth class, God is not put off by anything you have to tell him. You want to give him a piece of your mind? I told Carol, God's big enough. (laughs) He's big enough. He can take anything that any of us have to say to him. God wants you to know that he cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about what's on your mind. We are told in the New Covenant to cast all our cares upon God because he cares for us. That's why we need to talk to him, because he is listening, and he cares for us. He cares about the burdens that you are carrying right now, and he wants to release you from those burdens. One writer encouraged 
the following when it comes to God listening or hearing and answering our prayers in the article I was reading. He says that when God hears or listens or tells us to seek him, he isn't begrudging or asking him for the things in our life. Sometimes people feel like, oh, I can't bother God. You know, he's too busy with everything else. And what does my one little life look at the state of the world and everything that's going on? And I can't bother God. No, God says, bother me. Okay, I, I, I'm not put off when you bother me. Oh, no, but I bothered you yesterday, God. That's okay. But I bothered you the day before. That's okay. But I've been bothering you every day for the last year. That's okay, God says. I don't begrudge that you're coming to me day after day. In fact, he quite, tells us quite the opposite, right? Seek, ask, knock. In other words, keep coming to me. The second thing is he doesn't belittle us. You know, sometimes when you're seeking advice and help from other people and they think that you should uh, know what you're supposed to do, and we've all, right, anyone else received that, you know, response that, like, makes you quench, like, okay, it was just a question, you know, <laughs> right? God's not like that. He's not going to belittle us. He's not going to tell us, uh, you know, you're, you should have known better. He receives anything. And the last point is that he does not feel any question is stupid. Any question you have, you can ask. He's waiting to hear from us so he can give us the answer to our needs. And just as important, he's waiting to hear from us so he can reveal more of himself to us, more of his love, of his heart of his character, which is always, always good. Because he wants to show you the purpose and destiny that he has for your life. That leads me to my final point here this morning. God has a plan for your life. You need to know that God is thinking about you right now. God knew exactly who would be here this morning. He knew who would say yes. He knew who would uh, show up. And he wants you to know that he has a plan and a destiny for your life. In fact, as Carol shared, Yeshua is interceding for you and me right now. Well, Rabbi Carol, I don't really know him like you know him. That's okay. Yeshua is still interceding and praying for you so that you would come to know him. God wants you to know that he's not just listening up there without any desire to move, but he wants you to know that he has a plan, and it's a good plan for your life. God doesn't want harm to come to anyone. God is not looking to ruin your life, to destroy your life, to make your life miserable. A lot of people think, oh, if I come to God, I'm going to be miserable. I've never been miserable knowing God. I've been miserable knowing a few other people, (laughs) just saying, (laughs) just being honest, you know, not mentioning any names, but I've never been miserable in my relationship with God. I've never felt deprived. I never felt that God withheld anything from me. I never felt that God was asking too much from me. I never felt that it was just too much to serve God. Let me just lay it down and and go do my own thing. And yet that's what a lot of people feel about serving God. It's going to be too much. 
It's going to want too much for me, and my life is not going to be as fun as it is now. I think my husband and I have a lot of fun serving God. We've had quite a few different adventures over the years, and I look forward to many, many more with my husband as we pursue God. And I know that God has good for us, and I know that God has good for each one of you. And that's what he wants you to understand this morning. He has a plan that includes hope and a future. We just recently finished a series on hope here at Beth Emanuel, which you can listen to our podcast. Without hope, despair and discouragement captivates our hearts and our minds. But today, Adonai wants to infuse you and me with hope by giving us a glimpse of what the future is that he has in store for us. Let's face it, life can be filled with challenges. And a lot of people here today in this sanctuary or listening to the podcast are experiencing pain, some really deep pain. And you think God doesn't see and you think God doesn't care. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. It's quite the opposite. I was reading in Isaiah this week. Uh, That's where I'm at in the Tanakh. I'm in the book of Isaiah, and I'm in the book of Revelation in the New Covenant. And in chapter 49, verses 14 through 16, it says, But Zion says, Adonai has abandoned me. Adonai has forgotten me. God replies, Can a woman forget her child at the breast or not show pity on the child from her womb? He said, Well, even if these were to forget, I won't forget you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are always before me. Do you hear what God is saying to Israel? The book of Isaiah is written to the nation of Israel, just as the book of Jeremiah that we're speaking from. But the same principle applies to you and me today. Some of you feel like you have been forgotten. More than forgotten, you feel like that God has abandoned you, that he has left you high and dry on your own. You feel that he's left you to fend for yourself and things are only getting worse in your life. But God wants each of us to know that he hasn't forgotten us. You are his son. You are his daughter. He is very much in tune to what is happening in your life. And he says here, In this passage from Isaiah, you are engraved on my hand. In other words, you are always, always on my mind and always on my heart. And many of you feel that there is no way out and that you are destined to live in that pain, in that hopelessness, and in that discouragement. But friends, God wants you to know that that is not the truth for your life. God desires uh, that you would know on this day that he does indeed have a plan for each of our lives. Every single person listening here in this sanctuary, every person listening on the podcast. Now, I can hear what some of you are saying. I'm in your minds now. You're saying, oh, Rabbi Carol, of course God has plans for Carol. She's young. She has her whole life ahead of her. She has her whole future. But I'm older. What future does God have for me? How can he change my life? God wants you to know that it doesn't matter if you're 13, 25, 37, 56, 65, 79, or older. 
he still has a plan for this next season of your life. And it is a good plan. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, God has a good plan for you? I don't care what decade you're in in your life. God has good in store for you. The best is still to come for each one of us. You may be struggling just to put a smile on your face, and some of you have such deep internal pain that sometimes you think you cannot go on any longer, and God wants to reassure you today that he sees the pain and that he's not going to leave you there in that pain. Let me give you a little historic background to these uh, verses here as I get ready to close the message this morning. These are written, as I said, to the Jewish people, and they are in Babylon. They're in captivity. So they're in this foreign land. And it's not nice being in a foreign land when you didn't choose to be there. It's one thing if you decided to, well, let me go live in Babylon, but they did not have a choice. They were there as captives, okay? There was no hope of returning to their promised land, to their homeland. They're discouraged and feel like, what, what is there to live for? We're here, we're stuck in this foreign land with foreign people who don't even know our God, and what are we supposed to do? It's all over. And God responds, no, 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 Israel. It's not all over. He says, I know. Do you hear that? I know, God says. And that is the word that he's speaking to you right now. I know the plans I have for you. Israel, I'm going to bring you out of this foreign land and return you to the promised land. I know the plans I have for you. I will never hurt you. There are good things in your future. And he's declaring that same thing over you and me today. He says, Carol Capone, I know what I have destined for your life. It is beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. He says, Beth Emanuel, there is a glorious future awaiting you. He says, my child, I will work all things together for your good, even though you cannot see it now. That comes from Romans 8, and the passage translation of that verse says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. God wants you to be convinced this morning, convinced this morning that he is bringing good into your life, not harm. The weeping may last through the night. God declares that joy does indeed come in the morning. He says, I see your pain. I hear your concerns. I know what you are anxious about. I have listened to the cries of your heart, and I am not deaf. I know it has been hard for you, and sometimes you feel overwhelmed and like giving up. Don't. Don't. Don't give up, God says. Even though you feel I have been absent, I am not. God says, I do have a plan. There is still more for you to do. My plans are good. 
I'm here, here to help you navigate through the pain, through the anxiety, and through the situation to the place that I have prepared for you. It is a wide, open, spacious place. It is a place of peace. It is a place of joy. It is a place of contentment. That is the good that I have for each one of you today. If you will, go back to my first point, seek me. If you will seek me. If you will allow me to reveal myself to you, then I can unfold my plans for your life. So as I close today, Adonai wants to remind each of us of three things. Number one, to commit to growing in a relationship with him. If you've never done that before, if you've never made that initial commitment like Carol shared, please talk to me or my husband afterwards. It's a very simple thing to do. He wants to be your best friend. Secondly, he wants you to remember that he is listening. He knows everything that is in your heart and that is bothering you today, and he is listening with the intent to do something about it. And finally, he wants each one of us to grab hold of the fact that he has a promise, he has a future for our lives, that he has good things in store for every single person in this sanctuary today or listening to the podcast who simply will turn to him and allow him to be Lord of their lives. I know the plans I have, God says. I know. You may not know. I may not know. But God knows. And those plans are always good. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. We're going to close in prayer here. And then... uh, We'll make our way up to celebrate with uh, the bat mitzvah girl and her family this special day of God's goodness to her. Father, I thank you for this message that you have encouraged us. I thank you, Lord, that, that you have a purpose and plan for each one of us, God. We're all at different seasons of our life. Uh, God, and some of us are not sure what we're supposed to be doing, what lies ahead of us, but God, you know. And the things that you have for us in this season, whether it's Carol who's turned 13 uh, or those who are in their 20s, 30s, 50s, 70s or older, God, this new season, you have good things for each one of us. So God, I pray we would grab hold of that truth. I pray we would be people who who seek you, God, Father, who spend time with you, Lord, that grow our relationship with you. And I pray that we would be reassured that you have listened, 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 and are still listening and will always listen to the cries of our heart. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm going to close with the ironic benediction, and then I encourage you we can go upstairs, find a seat, There are a few little nashis on the table while everyone gets seated, and then uh, the family will give direction after that and just say, job well done again, Carol. You did a great job, and it was a pleasure working with you and excited to celebrate this day with you. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, may Adonai bless you and keep you. Yair Adonai panavalecha v'kunecha, may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yisimlecha shalom. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May the shalom, peace, joy of Adonai rest upon you all. Shabbat shalom.